Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Christmas, Christmas, Merry Christmas. Season's greetings, goodwill to all men. Tinsel, crackers, pine tree presents. Mistletoe, park the herald angels. Turkey, baubles, mulled wine, Saint Nick. Peace on earth, Brussels sprouts, wise men, Santa Claus. Elves, shepherds, jingle bells. Christmas pudding, yuletide, Rudolph. Stockings, chestnuts, snowmen, carols. Festive cheer to everyone. Christmas film chat has begun. Welcome. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. This is December the 29th when we're recording this. The middle of the of the holiday season. And the Film Chat Christmas special is back. Bit of a weird one. But uh, in general, this Christmas, this year, has obviously been quite unusual. But... This is a calendar staple, and we will not be relinquishing it, no matter how fierce the global pandemic becomes. Danny, how has your holiday season been? It has been sort of fine. You know, taking a break from sitting back doing nothing and watching movies by sitting back, doing nothing and watching movies, but also my mum and dad are there, and also my sister. Yeah, um, been fine or any bit weird. The big film-watching event of my Christmas period is. I watched The Court Jester, Danny Kaye, which I consider to be a kind of a Christmas classic, even though it's just got nothing to do with Christmas. But I got it for, on DVD one year, and I've watched it like every year since, for like a decade now. It is brilliant. you got to watch it. You watch it You watch it every year? Sort of. Not really, like, uh, yeah, mainly at Christmas. I think it's a good Christmas movie. This is like, this is like how... Uh... Steven Spielberg watches Lawrence of Arabia every year to remind himself about great filmmaking yeah. or whatever. To remind myself to be hilarious, I watched The Courchester. <laughs> to it's basically it's made in 955 and it's sort of like a send-up of Technicolor medieval swashbuckling adventures, sort of in the style of like the Errol Flynn Robin Hood movie. And in it, Danny Kay uh, is a sort of hapless former circus performer who's joined a band of rebels who are against the evil king who has usurped the throne by massacring all his relatives. But a little baby, the rightful heir to the throne, a la, you know, King John, is around and they know he's the royal baby because he's got a very specific birthmark on his butt, the funniest part of the body. 
a hilarious plot device. Could have been on his dick. That would have been maybe even funnier. Could have been on his dick. It was the 50s. They couldn't get away with it. And Danny Kay, through various plot machinations, there's a lot of like who's on first humor. Like everyone's always assuming different identities. So like he goes, he, he dresses like an old man to smuggle the kid away, but then he meets uh, a court jester who's going to the you know the palace. So he knocks him out, takes his place, but it turns out that court jester was actually a secret assassin. Then there's another like plot line about a witch. She keeps on hypnotizing him, so he changes personality every time she snaps. Uh, she um snaps her fingers, so he's like changing personalities like every five or six minutes. It's really, really like genuinely hilarious and like in a quite sort of timeless uh, humor. I think what's so like good about it is got this kind of infectious. It's, it's almost like a pantomime, but it's like very smart, like smart, stupid. If that makes sense. And like the sort of jokes about people assuming identities it's just like it's just kind of taken to the nth degree like he's constantly switching into a new persona and it allows Danny Kaye the lead to sort of do his entire gamut of like performance this might be a bit of a weird comparison but I think one of the funniest things about Spy is that like Melissa McCarthy like does her two things that's why it's good you know she's uh the sort of like meek amiable Melissa McCarthy and then she has to adopt the persona of a badass and that's equally hilarious and it's like more comedy should just do that. Have your comedy performers just, you know, contrive the plot. They have to do many, many things. And it makes for a great movie. Similar similar, con- similar contrivance in Spy as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, she's got to infiltrate somewhere and uh, change her personality to fit in kind of thing. Call Jester walked so Spy could run. That's my hot take. If I die... Just pray that I die bravely. You'll not die. You'll not have to fight him. Griswold dies as he drinks the toast. What? Listen, I'll put a pellet of poison in one of the vessels. Which one? The one with the figure of a pestle. The vessel with the pestle? Yes. But you don't want the vessel with the pestle. You want the chalice from the palace. Uh, I don't want the vessel with the pestle. I want the chalice from the what? The chalice from the palace. Hmm? It's a little crystal chalice with the figure of a palace. Does the chalice from the palace have the pellet with the poison? No, the pellet with the poison's in the vessel with the pestle. Oh, the pestle with the vessel. The vessel with the pestle. What about the palace from the chalice? Not the palace from the chalice. The chalice from the palace. Where's the pellet with the poison? In the vessel with the pestle. Don't you see? The pellet with the poison's in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace has the brew with it. It's true. It's so easy. I can say it. Well, then you find him. Listen carefully. The pellet with the poisons in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace has the brew that is true. Oh, the pellet with the poisons in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace has the brew that is true. Good man. Just remember that. Yeah, and just lots of like very good wordplay, and a, and a performance by a, a young Angela Lansbury, which is like in mm. her twenties. It's quite weird to see her. It's like wow, from what's her name, Jessica Fletcher, before she was solving crimes, was a princess in a medieval land. Is she a, a hottie, young Lansbury? I mean, she looks basically like, well, it depends how attractive you find Angela Lansbury. I, well, I don't know. I mean, only I know her as an old lady or as, a, or as an animated uh, teapot, so I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, but, you know, out of all the animated teapots you've seen, you're like, you know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I would, if, if I had to choose a teapot to have sex with, it would be the one from beauty and the beast for sure would you rather fuck the angela lansbury teapot or the emma thompson teapot from the remake haven't seen i haven't seen it i haven't seen it <laughs> i mean it's going to be hard to top lansbury in terms of uh sexy teapots but um but i'm not sure yeah i mean i guess it depends how the teapot is animated in the beauty and the beast um remake i think it was pretty obvious that disney concentrated on the voluptuous curves of the lansbury teapot like 
it's it, the teapot has an hourglass shape for some reason and they really they really focused on making it as hot as possible whereas i, d- I don't know if that's what they did for the um for emma thompson's teapots because i haven't seen the movie hard <laughs> to imagine hard to imagine it's sexier day hard to imagine that's my recommendation for a movie which is a mere 65 years old it's available on dvd you, you would you describe it as a christmas film like die hard no, I mean, there's nothing remotely Christmassy about it. I guess there's like a little baby in it. That's a bit, you know, and uh, strangers helping. There's a bit where they're in a barn, you know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a Christmas. Sounds like a Christmas film to me. A very religious one. Yeah, sure. Why not? I'm saying it is. To me, it's a Christmas movie in the same way like Chicken Run's a Christmas movie or The Great Escape. There's nothing Christmassy about it, really. It's just on at Christmas. And, and But it's even more precise because it's only on Christmas at my house. Every film's yeah. a Christmas film. Every day's Christmas. Cause, cause you, it to be. Because you watch, you watch a lot of films at Christmas, so they're, they're, every film's Christmas film. Were you left home alone this winter? Did you get scrooged over in business? Perhaps you thought you were in love. Actually, it was a nightmare before Christmas. Well, just forget about those gremlins, baby. You trade your places with a happier guy. Pop a film chat on and let your blues die hard and you realize... It's a wonderful life. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to hear a little bit about Hercules in New York? Do I? Yes, please. Half watched. Half so, watched. Um, Which half do you watch? One eye, really. You know, <laughs> it was kind of on. Um, it's uh, so it's this very very young uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's like just starting his acting career. He's just just moved to America. Uh, cannot fully speak or pronounce English words yet. You know, he's obviously finding his feet, and it's a kind of fantastical tale of the god Hercules who rebels against his father's use and uh, goes to New York to have fun adventures, and then, like, the gods of Olympus are trying to get him back and are messing with his life. Meanwhile, he's a fish-out-of-water kind of comic stuff, um, and he, like, becomes a wrestler and uh, finds a girlfriend and this this kind of thing. Sam, aren't you describing the plot of Thor? It's a, yeah, it's not that different. I mean, it's pretty similar, honestly. Get Spanish, <laughs> meets a girl, fish-out-of-water comedy. Yeah. Did Hercules in New York walk so Thor could run? Uh, yeah, another another old film walking so that the newer film can run, very much so. Even The, the humour is actually pretty similar in that he has this kind of you know theatrical imperious like uh divine vanity uh which is contrasted with the you know humble kind of uh everyday manner of the the folk he meets you know and they're all bewildered when he says i'm hercules uh and it's quite similar to um chris hemsworth saying you know i'm thor i'm the great god thor stop stop leave me alone i think that's one of the quotes <laughs> leave me alone for god's sake <laughs> Yeah, so it was definitely it was definitely fun. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, a kind of entertaining actor, you know, at all stages of career. Even now, when he's a much sort of better actor and his English is very good, um, he's still a very enjoyable screen presence, as we learned when we watched uh, Escape Plan. And um, uh, back in the day, more humorous, I guess, because of he's more more amateurish, but uh, still still enjoyable. The main problem with Hercules in New York was just that the making of the film was so bad, like it was so badly made that that became quite distracting and tiring. Just like the 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 one of the most egregious things about it was the um the sound being extremely poor. So there was kind of 
um what is the word for this where the sound just is from the there, there's like an obvious Lo- location sound, sound. Or? yeah it's like on location sound or whatever shot on location and it basically seems to have been synced up with the camera and they weren't able to desync the sound from it was like the microphone was built into the lens and uh, they weren't able to just desync them so that when they just cut back and forth in dialogue scenes you have these like dramatic changes in background noise between just cutting back and forth between people's shots which horrifically breaks the continuity uh, and is very very distracting mount olympus has just really obvious audible traffic noises in the background <laughs> they're basically in a garden and you can just hear traffic behind them which is quite funny um and uh yeah just a bit just very poorly made like badly edited <laughs> like the acting is pretty wonky so that stuff i guess your mileage may vary as to whether all that is just more fuel for the hilarity of a bad film or whether you're just you know find it a bit wearying um it wasn't i don't know some in some respects the room was better made you know i don't rem- i don't recall these uh, outrageous sound problems well that's the thing like bad sound is the worst right you can watch anything if the sound's okay but if like the sound's bad it just becomes hard to see yeah that was certainly my experience yeah, it's like, there's a real sweet spot with, like, bad movies, but, like, if it hasn't been made well enough, it's just a bit sad. It's like, these people don't, you know, you can't yeah. really blame them. They, they, don't know, they don't know what they're doing, bless them, you know? Like It definitely had that, it had that home movie, it had that home movie feel to it, for sure. It, the, the budget appeared to be much greater than that of a home movie, in that there was a lot of locations, a lot of actors, some of whom clearly were professional actors, a lot of costumes and stuff. Uh... So it had the the reach and scope you know, beyond that of a home movie, but the actual craft of the way it was made was definitely that of an amateur. And he was never heard of from again. Poor Arnie. Career, gone. Real, a real shame. Could have He could have done great things. You can see great promise in his performance there, but that was the end of that. It's a damn shame. Hey, what's happening? Is he your lover? My what? Hey, mister, watch your talk. I can hear my dog. I cannot watch it. You're not going to be hearing it much longer if you don't apologize to Miss Camden right now. Apologize for paying her a tribute? A tribute? Insulting her. A beautiful woman who has a handsome man for a friend. They must be lovers. Right, will you it cool it? It is the natural if they are not. All right. You asked for it. <laughs> you have struck Hercules. Oh, come off that rap. You keep that up and you're going to have to be taken away. What kind of chicken fat have you got in your head anyway? I'm Hercules. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Christmas time in the film chat studio. Danny's dressed like a reindeer. Sam and Katie are covered in tinsel. It's definitely Christmas in here. So, you know, with all the news about Disney expanding its brand to an insane degree, I've decided that Film Chat needs to do the same. And the way to do that is to get as much content from listeners as possible. And I thought I would start 
uh, with this special festive episode. Unfortunately, I only put the call out for the content yesterday, and as such, uh, it hasn't been as successful as I'd hoped. But nevertheless, I put out a call out to say, please get in touch with anything you want to contribute about this year's, this, you know, year in cinema. I gave the questions, have your viewing habits changed? What were the best or worst films you saw this year? Doesn't have to be uh, the year they released. You know, you might have caught up on some golden classics or some golden turkeys. Uh, Do you watch anything over Christmas that stirred a deep emotional response in you? Or is there literally anything you want to tell us? And you got back in your, what's the opposite of a drove? Um, Trickles? Trickles. (laughs) We got two comments, but... You know, it's quality, not quantity. I know I said before that it was all about quantity, but a minute later, I've decided it's all about quality. I think it's, this just this actually shows that it works. Yeah. You know, when you when you put out messages, you ask people to get back to you. They do. Not millions of them, but you know, we that's not that's not the kind of podcast we're running here. We've got a a tight ship, just a few a handful of uh, of dedicated listeners. This is a cult product for a cult audience. So uh, two is a is a huge success, and they're both very nice comments. So um, regular uh, contributor Jonathan Hopon on Twitter got in touch with us um, to say if Tenet proved anything, it was the role of cinemas themselves in elevating an uneven and confusing film. Having not been to the cinema for six months, I was more than happy to recklessly inhale the toxic breath of strangers and rem- and remember more about that movie than any other in 2020. In terms of viewing habits, I've found lockdown has made it really hard to realise that shared experience of films. Without going out, speaking with colleagues and friends in the pub, it's hard to relate movies to everyday life or measure cultural impact. Sorry. I watched Soul on Boxing Day, and it's hard to fault, but it just felt more disposable for being released on streaming, like a wedding cake without the wedding. The threshold for me to mention it to someone with other than vaguely murmured approval seems too high. Lastly, I have missed the regular film chat fix I had become accustomed to. It has been much harder for me to pass your sensible opinions and insights off as my own in your absence. I look forward to your Disney-like multimedia expansion and your regular return to the airwaves. Well, that's a very sweet message. Thank you very much. uh, It's nice uh, to be missed. You know, we've pulled a bit of a where the wild things are kind of max move here. (laughs) Uh, Getting out of town, testing the love of uh, the people we've left behind. And um, so that's obviously worked. That's what I like to do in my own relationship, actually. Just sort of disappear for a few months. That's good. That's good good, good practice. Yeah. You know, you've always... Absence makes the hearts grow fonder, which is why in order to strengthen love, you've got to be absent. Yeah. You've got to to make yourself absent. So so we've done that now, 2021. uh, An incredibly uh, disciplined and regular content production will, will return to be online. Um, I think, yeah, I, I agree with uh, what Jonathan said about um, the, the viewing experience. I think uh, going to the cinema uh, is not an inherently social thing because you're sitting in a dark room, not speaking to anyone else for a long period of time. But I think the period where you discuss the film afterwards with a group of friends is a very important part in, yeah. of uh, the cinema. And it's definitely one of the things I enjoy the most, um, particularly with films that have uh, that are deeply flawed. And it's especially enjoyable with films that are like enormous products, you know, with uh, hundreds of millions of dollars spent on them, like Tenet. That would have been the perfect film to emerge in the cinema and go to the pub with a whole bunch of people. 
which was an experience we were largely denied. So, um, yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And also Soul, which looks like it's going to be another uh, stunningly uh, animated, beautiful vistas, wonderful other worlds. Uh, it's definitely not going to be the same, just uh, checking that out on the on the small screen. And you don't even get the possibility of a theatrical release with that one, in here anyway, in London. So, um uh, yeah, I agree 100%. It is weird how I feel like Tenet is like the only movie that did come out. Because the sort of movie year is a bit different to the actual year, it's like the movie year ends and starts with the Oscar ceremony, basically. So like the movie calendar starts in March, and that's when the lockdown happened. So it's like, what I, what came out this year? Like, beginning of the year seems like a decade ago. And it's like, yeah, just Tenet, the only film that came out. It's weird, just doing it all by itself. And it still didn't make that much money. I mean, blimey. Uh, yeah, especially if... Um you are watching for movies like the London Film Festival, for example, where like you're seeing these Oscar films in like October of the previous year. So yeah, they yeah. really feel like um, like last year's films. And, and also just in general, I feel like 2020 began in like March with the lockdown for me. Yeah. I don't really consider the things that happened in January, February to be part of 2020, nor do I believe 2020 will end until, you know, maybe several years from now when... Uh, <laughs> Uh, coronavirus is over so i won't be celebrating new year's eve until um uh, all lockdown restrictions are lifted we also got a nice message from dan knoll he got in touch to say fave films i saw from this year were uncut gems parasite portrait of a lady on fire and possessor which you saw at the london film festival some older bangers i only got around to watching during lockdown were cure irma vep memories of murder fantastic planet and king of comedy fave lockdown viewing experience would probably be the group watch along of the hangman a film where pacino is tiredly reading all his lines off the reverse side of a paycheck close second would be watching cats on boxing day now likely a christmas <laughs> tradition for me you know cats is just it's got something going for it like instant cult movie i haven't watched it since it came out but i want to watch it again I, w- I wanted to. I want to watch it every Christmas. I think. Like Edgar Wright tweeted about like what were like memorable film getting experiences for like an article he's written and like me and my girlfriend saw Cats like literally a year ago and at the Peckinplex and everyone just applauded at the end. Like what have we just witnessed? Like all of us. It's the same as cracker jokes, right? They're bad because everyone can enjoy them, but it's that real sweet spot. Unlike Hercules in New York, that real sweet spot of like competent weird. Bad made, the sound's fine, the professionals have worked on this film, but just completely fucking mad. And, you know, it's a beautiful gift he gave the world, Tom Hooper. I think uh, the Prince Charles is probably going to resuscitate its whole business model after coronavirus just through cat screenings. They're gonna, the, cats, the cat's ball is going to become a huge hit at the Prince Charles, I think. Do you think 2020 was the heavy side layer? And, <laughs> and Hootenanny 2019 was the jellicle ball? I I think so. I, I, everything is just the cat's uh, jog <laughs> terminology to me now. The lore of the cat's world. Do you know how to go to the heavy side layer? Because jellicles can and jellicles do. Jellicles do and jellicles can. Jellicles can and jellicles do. Jellicles do and jellicles can. Jellicles So, review of the year time. My top ten movies are the ten movies I saw that were released this year. Do you have 10? Got like nine. That's pretty good going. I've only got six. Yeah, so it's a bit of a weird year, obviously. But at the same time, a lot of really good movies are released at the beginning of the year because it's a sort of award season. 
and then a lot of good movies are released towards the end of the year because it's gearing up to the awards season. And I know some people like pushed it, yeah, like stuff like Mank I thought was really good, came out at the tail end of the year. So I've got like a few, I don't really have like a top 10 list, or like a, there's no ranking to this, but movies which I thought were very good this year, shall I just, shall I just say them? Go for it, just say them. Just bloody say them. So the movies I really thought were really brilliant, but none of which these are controversial. But I thought Mank was great, Baccarat, Little Women, Uncut Gems, Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I really liked I'm Thinking of Ending Things. I know you didn't. And I also remembered The Lighthouse came out this year, which was a lot of fun. All of these movies are now available to stream. So, um, yeah, I'm going to recommend the film Parasite. I thought Parasite was excellent. Uh, should go out, support it. Little Korean movie uh, by this up and cover Bong Joon Ho. Just thought it was brilliant, and I'm the only person championing it. So um, yeah, get on it, sheeple. Uh, yeah, my list looks extremely similar, except I don't have. I'm thinking of any things on it, um, and uh, yeah, and I didn't. I didn't add the lighthouse as well. Although I guess you know, there's so few films that actually came out this year that we saw that. Um, I suppose it would make the top 10. It was pretty good. I did enjoy The Lighthouse. It's just weird to think that this was this year. I mean, for me, 2020 kind of began in March. February feels like a 2019 month to me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah. I think it's probably worth um, re-upping uh, back around, mentioning that again, that uh, the Brazilian film, the least famous film on our list, I would say, by some stretch and uh would strongly recommend that people go check that one out great like semi sci-fi kind of story of uh, small town resistance against um uh, colonial invaders kind of like a robert rodriguez movie but like with a much higher iq and uh i really really recommend that one and yeah other than that i just have uh the same films you mentioned parasite portrait of lady on fire probably the two uh, other like absolutely top tier brilliant films uncut gems um was uh, also an absolute blast still available on netflix if you haven't seen that do check that one out and uh little women great actually a great christmas film as well so worth a worth a rewatch you know even if you saw it before it's got that i mean it, it might be almost like acutely painful at this time because how it's all about kind of cozy families hugging each other like which is not the experience many of us have had this Christmas. Yeah, now now we're all Beth, aren't we, really? Yeah, <laughs> we're all Beth. We are all Beth. Last year we were Joe or Amy. This year we're Beth. It's been a it's been a it's been a year of everyone becoming Beth for sure. Uh but nevertheless that was a that was a really sweet film. Definitely recommended. And Mank, which recently came out. Also available on Netflix and it's just very good. Fincher doing his thing. Doing a good job. Other than that, not too much really i mean i I do think it's worth watching tenet if no one has seen that well now you now you can of course it's on demand i've had a bunch of um uh like youtube uh film explains type videos recommended to me recently like from some channel where they do like film analysis of like good or bad editing and someone with a very soft voice you know kind of explains things to you uh and uh he did this uh film uh, video like a kind of mini video essay about Tenet which is basically about how it has in, like insanely bad and uh, exposition and way too much of it which I found quite satisfying because it was you know I had the same experience of watching the movie and it was it was like articulating the same thought that I had which is the film spends so much time explaining the 
time warping gimmicks but also incredible amounts of time explaining just the mechanics of the plot so half the film is just people explaining things that are hard to understand and like every single set piece is preceded by long explanations of exactly how they're going to work with just characters talking to each other it's a real tell don't show film yeah yeah um which is does somewhat hamstring it like it's extremely clunky in that regard but nevertheless it has some unique things in the film and uh has a bit of the propulsiveness like like chris Vanon's a very propulsive director he's like always focusing on momentum and that is constantly coming up against the painfully boring exposition <laughs> but he just fight he just fights through it you know he fights through his own bad script so i do i do think it's sort of worth watching it's an interesting film um but yeah other than that I don't know. There's not too much to report on the film front. Just mainly what I watched this year is a bunch of those like god awful Netflix films, which uh, are not really worth talking about. They just literally they, they they are made. They're like it's like doing some sort of Darren Brown hypnosis where you cannot form memories. You know, <laughs> they're so bland that they 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 you watch them and they're over and you're like, what happened? Did that was that a film? Like, what's going on? Tell me what film you're most excited for in 2021, Sam. Go. Don't even think about it. Just top of your head. Just, 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 just shout it out. Make up a film if you want. I am looking forward to seeing Wonder Woman 1984, which I wasn't previously. And then you mentioned to me that it was really racist and uh, that some people thought it was dreadful and other reviewers, you know, were saying it was amazing. And uh, yeah, I've got to, I've got to form my opinion about that now. So. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. I saw a tweet recently, one of those tweets that nailed me without knowing. And it was someone tweeting, basically complaining about people watching too many bad films because of FOMO. And they were like, just just watch good things. Don't do that to yourself. Don't worry about FOMO. You can never follow everything. Just you know, be kind to yourself and watch good films. Well, I watched bad things because of FOMO. And that's why I'm going to watch Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What about you? What are you looking forward to? Well, like a lot of you know, big, big directors are releasing movie next movies next year. So there's a new Paul Thomas Anderson film. There's a new Wes Anderson film. All the Anderson films, and of course, uh, Dune. Just want to see all the big sand in that. See how see see if the sand is like good. Um, oh yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to all that sand I'm sort of like, I'm, I don't know, I'm not the biggest Villeneuve fan in the world, but I just like the idea of a massive sci-fi franchise which isn't Star Wars you know, and maybe if this movie is, ba- is bad or is, you know doesn't make money, they'll never do it again but it feels a bit like a last hurrah in a way like, the, the stars aligned for two seconds on the green light of this film it's quite a weird prospect it's got enough cultural sort of cachet to get made, but you know, every other previous attempt to launch like a big sci-fi franchise has failed. Uh, there's no Mortal Engines 2. There's no Alita Battle Angel 2. There's no Valyrian in a city of 2,000 planets. There's, you know, they're all... No, I, no, I, no Jupiter descending. <laughs> no Jupiter descending. And I just enjoy movies which have like a big ambition and lots of, you know, worlds and whatever. You know, I know it's based on an old book, but... As Disney is like commodifying everything, and you know it's just the same characters and tropes and same X wings, whatever. Just a new thing is exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think that the the funny thing about Dune is the 
matching of a um, quite um, antiseptic, clean, like cold sensibility of Dennis Villeneuve with uh, some extremely trippy LSD like influence source material. So I don't know how much those things will harmonize, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see it for all the same reasons as you are. What's the new Paul Thomas Anderson film? It's about a kid in the 70s, uh, growing up in the 70s, like a child actor. How about a film set in the modern day, Paul? Get out of the past. Make it in the modern day, you cowards. Make it in the modern day, you fucking coward. <laughs> <laughs> no one, nobody, this is my, I made this point a while back. Nobody's making films set in the modern day anymore. Everyone's a fucking pussyhole. They just can't face reality. They're all chickening. They're chickening out. They're chickening out. Is when this... they make films in the modern day, it's like Borat Two or something. Yeah. Is this a good time to like segue into a very brief review of Death to Twenty Twenty, which really annoyed me? Oh yeah. Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell us, tell us about that. You probably all watched it by the time you're listening to this, but it's Charlie Brooker, like basically like his review of the year, or what they called it, yearly wipes, which I always thought were quite good and funny. But he already did one of those, like, in the middle of the pandemic. So he's like, I can't do another one. So he's basically sort of done it on Netflix. But the the conceit is it's like a mockumentary with all these important people commenting on the events of the year. But all these um, talking heads are really famous actors playing fictional counterparts. So... Uh, Tracy Ullman's playing the Queen. Samuel Jackson's playing a journalist, but basically playing himself. Lisa Kudrow's playing a sort of uh, insane Republican lobbyist. And uh, who's the guy from The Big Sick? Kumail Nanjiani. He's playing like a sort of tech billionaire. And it is fucking shit. I think it's the problem with like satire. If you do satire, which is just focused on the sort of minutiae. Like Twitter got there nine months ago, you know? The carcass has been picked clean. It's like a thousand monkeys on a thousand typewriters. And having Samuel Jackson make the same joke nine months later doesn't make it funnier. It just makes it weird and seem very out of date. And even though it's got this sort of overview, it's so scattershot in its targets. It's sort of, there's a character played by an actor from Stranger Things. The actor's name escapes me. He's playing a sort of DJ millennial who you know, only eats uh, soya milk brownies or something, and he has to perform DJs over, uh, DJ sets over Zoom for, like, uh, non-binary gender reveal parties or something. And it's got all these jokes about this, this lame millennial, but it's like, uh, I hate how Trump, um, his incompetence killed thousands of people. And also, this completely fictional character I created, he's kind of lame. It's like, what are you talking about? It's just a sort of complete risk-free, fuck-everything satire. And I found it extremely irritating. Yeah. I also feel like... I mean, I always struggle to to say how much uh, those kinds of, like, middle-brow um, comedians, like progressive comedians from the, the sort of mid-noughties have, like, gotten bad or whether my kind of cultural tastes have just changed and I can no longer find that crap funny anymore. Like... I don't know if a show where a guy like pretends to jerk off and calls a coffee ad, you know, man a wanker or whatever is like going to really do it for me now. You know, I might just like, (laughs) I might just need higher standards. Like I got um, recommended on YouTube recently, one of uh, David Mitchell's soapbox films. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, and I was just, it felt, it felt like a blast from like several decades ago. I, I was, it was like, I don't know, he was complaining about baby names or about, like, I think it was, like, 
he doesn't like the phrase rape and pillage because he thinks that it makes rape sound more palatable if it's combined with pillaging because it sounds like rambunctious vikings rather than like this horrific sex crime something like that i think that was his whole shtick but just like the the general thing of this kind of you know funny nerd man having his little whine about random stuff his like seinfeldian low-key observational humor as he sits on his like box was just uh i don't know i was like is was this the height of humor but like what I watched all of those. What was going on? I don't know. Like, I um, I just don't know whether, like, uh, if uh, that, that kind of humor is really, like, sustainable now. Like, things have to have a, some sort of a point or, I don't know. I spend most yeah. of my time furious about, <laughs> about one kind of <laughs> appalling injustice or another. And I just can't watch the millionaire sit around and, you know, just fuck about and say nothing. Like, it's not funny to me anymore. So, um, I don't know if Charlie Brooker has been a a victim of like, of like the same, the same type of thing. The world just feels like it it can't accommodate something as anodyne as that anymore. Like satire with no purpose. The, uh, what Chris Morris, like quite memorably called a performance for the court recently. And like, you know if that's if that's what he's doing i had to i had to stop watching uh the brooker year wipes uh in the corbin era because i was like i can't have some more sneering at corbin like i get that all year round you know can't, i can't have kind of more of it from the, the sofa man yeah that's the thing one of the talking heads is leslie jones again sort of basically playing herself and she says something like oh we got these you know alt-right people on one side and these whiny hips on the other side but you know you got to pick a side and i'm like well the show hasn't done that and it's got this sort of like, oh, this person has, you know, an old militia and wants to fucking murder you. Like, and this guy has uh, oat milk in his latte. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, why? Why? <laughs> How annoyed are you by this one guy? <laughs> that you're, this is this is weird kind of false equivalence of like the you know the biggest problems facing today. We need these, you know. I think comedy commissions. Is, commissioners should basically just stop funding projects by anyone over like 35 just let them all die like they made their money they don't need money you know stick one radio four or whatever at like the graveyard slot and just give some money to some young people who've got something to say just put them on dave just like send them all to dave and so they can all they can just do their witty banter all day long at each other and not bother the rest of us put them on dave it's where they belong I think, like, because what you're kind of describing is basically this kind of, like, you know, Radio 4 middle class style culture war, right? Like, the young people, I don't understand them. They annoy me. And then you've got the fascists. They're annoying me as well, you know, for just some, like, superficial aesthetic reasons. And, like, I think that in that kind of, uh, you know, culture war mindset, it just uh makes me react to that. i'm like i hate that culture that, that's what ticks me off you know it's not people people can drink whatever milk you know they want yeah but the thing that drives me insane is like fucking have i got news for you or mock the week now you know that's the that's the type of culture that i i can't yeah, bear. Yeah. i think like if i was sent back in time to like the latitude festival comedy 10 i would just burn it down because it, it would be uh, <laughs> it would just be like hell for me <laughs> 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 it's like Tesco stew. Like, so yes, exactly. This, this is, is hell for me. me. I'm surrounded by 
uh, this like parade of like white male, you know, comedians doing their bits about the Guardian or whatever. I just can't stand it. So if I was if I was a talking head on the Charlie Brooker show, that is what I would be like losing my shit about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, one to miss, one to avoid. Well, that's a shame. I know. I felt like I gave an opinion on it having not seen it, but whatever. You don't need to see it. I don't need to. Like... <laughs> That's exactly what you'd imagine it would be. Cool, cool, cool. So uh, that brings us to an end of this extremely festive Christmas film chat episode. And we'll be back in the new year. Probably going to review Soul, the new Pixar film, once we've uh, found a way to, to watch that. Maybe Wonder Woman. Um, and yeah, maybe Wonder Woman. And and we'll see what, see what the new year brings. Probably dramatic change. I, I'm sure that the coronavirus will recognize that 2020 is over now, you know? And we'll go away on January the 1st and let us all... You know. When Big Ben bombs at midnight. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't, though, can it? I can't. Big Ben can't even uh, bomb. But did you not bung in a bob to make Big Ben bong where it was? Oh, the fucking mad campaign they tried to do. Oh, God. That was such a Boris Johnson-sounding phrase. It's yeah. Horrible. No, no, I did not. I did not bung it a bob. Anyway... Anyway, we will be back then. I hope everyone has a wonderful remainder of the holiday season. Have a great New Year's Eve, whatever you're doing. Probably watching the Hootenanny alone, like most most of us. Um, and uh, we'll catch up with you in the new year. Goodbye. Goodbye. Merry Christmas. Happy Merry New Christmas. Year. The problem is that I think we've got used to a kind of satire which essentially placates the court. You do a nice dissection of the way things are in the orthodox elite. And lo and behold, you get slapped on the back by the orthodox elite who say, jolly good, can you do us another one? That's not what it's about. So in a way, these times should bring on something with a bit more clout. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.